Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The simple truth of simply believing and living by faith. Think about this. Shouldn't that change everything in how we live our lives if it's all by faith? We walk by faith. We're saved by faith. Now we're going to walk by faith. And that's what, of all the things that we can do, pleases God. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. All of our striving to do things for God really amounts to nothing. What matters is a life lived by faith, as we'll hear from Pastor J.D. today. Did you know that living by faith moment by moment, day to day, is what pleases God most? By this, we show God we trust Him completely with what is currently happening in our lives, but also with the future. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Abraham believed it. That's unbelievable. No way. Way. He believed it. He just simply believed it. And God was so blessed and even impressed, if I can say it that way, that he said, because you believe me, as far out as this is, As impossible as this seems, because you believe me, I will account it unto you as righteousness. And you're not going to do anything to help me. Oh, he tried. Isn't it true when we try to help God out, we just make a bigger mess? I think about Peter in the garden when they arrested Jesus, and he tries to help the the Savior of the world, God incarnate by pulling his sword out and cutting off Malchus's ear. Jesus is like, Peter, dude, come on, man. He heals the ear using carnal weaponry to fight a spiritual battle. Listen, if you hear nothing else that I say today, hear this. God does not need our help. I mean, there's no verse that says God helps those who help themselves. There's also no verse that says God needs our help. We don't need to help God. There's nothing we can do. In fact, anything we try to do can make a bigger mess and take God longer (laughs) to fulfill his promise. So he says to Abram, that's the number of your descendants. So shall your offspring be. Now in verse 6, Paul quotes where we're told that Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And now God is going to make a covenant with him. And this is where it gets really fascinating. So in that day, this is how they would make a covenant. I'll try to explain it as simply and quickly as I possibly can. The way they would make a covenant back then between two people is they would get animals and they would cut them up and they would put, and this is, I'll try not to be graphic, but they'll take the carcasses of these uh, animals and the blood is all over. Both parties making the covenant, not a contract, covenant, 
walk through the carcasses and all of the blood and say, if I break this covenant, may what has happened to these animals happen to me. It's called cutting covenant. By the way, that's where we get our modern day terminology for cutting a deal. That's where it came from. Genesis. Let's cut a deal. It it came from cutting covenant. Now, both parties were required to cut covenant. But here's the thing. God has Abraham get the animals. He cuts them, gets them ready, puts the carcasses out, and he's waiting, and he falls asleep. Into a deep sleep, we're told. And then that's when God comes while he's sleeping. And God cuts covenant, not Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham did not make a covenant with God. And oh, by the way, for all of those who would say that we replace the Jew, shame on you. God is not through with the Jew. And we don't want him to be through with the Jew. Why? Because he has a covenant with the Jew. He made a covenant with the Jews. And he has a covenant with me and you too. And if he's going to break a covenant, which he can't, with the Jews, then how secure are me and you? I know it's not proper English, but it kind of rhymes. Got a little catch to it. He has a covenant. It's an everlasting covenant. Last time I checked, everlasting means it lasts forever. Call me silly, but that's what it means. Right? Am I right? So, (laughs) falls into a deep sleep. God cuts covenant. And then he wakes up, and the covenant's already been made. God made it. Think about this. You can't break something you didn't sign. Abraham didn't sign the covenant. Only God did. And that's why there's a covenant that is everlasting, because God can never break a covenant. In other words, Abraham did not have to do his part. You know, in the covenants, in the clauses, in the contract, you have all of these things that you have to do in order to fulfill it, and then the other party has to do in order to fulfill it. You know what Abraham's clauses were in order to fulfill the covenant? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. He just believed. That's good. Sign right here. Done. God signed the covenant. That's it. Nothing else needed to be added. Nothing else could be done. Period. It was done. And this is why Paul uses this perfect example of being righteous before God on the basis of our faith and not the law, which it couldn't be anyway, because that wouldn't come for another 430 years. Does that make sense? And this is what was happening in those Galatian churches. That was the problem in the Galatian churches. They were coming back under the law. And Paul's about to dismantle that here in just a moment. Here's the thing. We're saved by grace through faith and we're justified on the basis of faith. Right? So if we're saved by that faith, then doesn't that also mean that we walk by that faith? Yes, it does. It cannot be obtained or achieved 
in any other way. Aren't you glad that God doesn't say, okay, I did my part. I saved you. Now, better keep your nose clean, get your act together, keep it together, do good, be good. Now it's your your turn. It's your part. I did my part. Now it's your part. Prove to me that you're going to be serious about this this commitment to me. (laughs) Shoot me now. Shoot me now. Especially when it comes to the law, because if I've got to now keep the law, I'm doomed. Are you kidding me? When was the last time you read the Ten Commandments? You know what's in there? I've broken every single one of them. I've even invented some and broken them too. And so have you, so don't look at me all spiritual. We're saved by faith, and we're justified on the basis of that faith. And we walk by faith. This is what Paul said to the Romans in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. I love this. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone, and here's that word again, who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. And then watch this, verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Well, the Galatian churches weren't living by faith. They were living as though they were justified by the works of the law, not by faith. They were saved by faith. And the Judaizers come in and say, yeah, that's not enough. <laughs> you got to do your part. Oh yeah, God saved you. That's great. Praise the Lord. You're saved. But now you got to keep the law and be circumcised if you're a Gentile. So this is why Paul seeks to dismantle any belief that we're saved or justified by our works. Here's the truth. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. The simple truth of simply believing and living by faith. Think about this. Shouldn't that change everything in how we live our lives, if it's all by faith? We walk by faith. We're saved by faith. Now we're going to walk by faith. And that's what, of all the things that we can do, pleases God. I mean, we can live, live a life pleasing to God, but there's this one thing called faith that God says, without it, it is impossible to please me. What that means is, with it, it is possible to please me. Don't you want to please God? I want to please God. I want my life to be pleasing to Him. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 6 says, it is impossible to please him if you don't have any faith. Jesus said, let it be done unto you according to your faith. And I think it's really a a tragedy. It is so sad to me that these, these word faith teachers, you know the ones I'm talking about, the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it group. If you just have enough faith, God will give you that Mercedes Benz. That's not the gospel. That's not biblical. 
But I think we've thrown the baby of faith out with the bathwater of God's promise. And so we've kind of gone in the opposite direction. And so we don't want to, you know, presume upon the goodness of God. But yet, I want to please Him. And I need faith to please Him. What is faith? Oh, the writer of Hebrews tells us also in chapter 11, verse 1, what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Abraham hoped for, that was the substance, that which he had evidence, but had not yet seen and wouldn't for years. Well, let me just... I haven't shared this in a long time, but when my wife and I were unable to have children, we tried to adopt this baby girl. And uh, the birth mother, who was 15 years old, had two weeks prior to us meeting her for the first time to place her baby girl with us for adoption, an open adoption, had given her life to Christ. And she selected us to be the parents that she would place her uh, baby with. So we're there at the hospital. I'm outside. My wife's inside. She's videotaped. We even named her. And then after the baby was born, the birth mother started bonding and said, hey, I want to, before I place her with you, I want to take her home just for a little bit. We released her, and we really sensed that the Lord was saying, no, she's to keep her baby. I'm going to give you a son. And that's exactly what happened. So I go to the Lord, and I am crying out to God. And I'm begging him for a son. And he gives to me a word, not audible, didn't need to be, but it came right out of this account in Genesis where it was accounted unto Abraham as righteousness because he believed. And he said to me what he said to Abraham, one year from today, she was born on June 2nd, uh, pardon me, June 1st, 1997. The Lord spoke to me, again, not audibly, and said to me, I'm going to give you a son one year from the day, one year from the day. And... You're going to go tell your wife, and she's going to laugh just like Sarah did. And that's exactly what she did. She thought I was losing it, right? I said, honey, we're going to get through this. I know you're devastated. My 19-year-old son now was born exactly one year to the day on June 2nd, 1998, exactly as God had spoke to me he would. And I believed him. I believed him. God was pleased by that. God was pleased by that. Never think for a second that God is not pleased by our faith as the substance of things we hope for, but yet the evidence of that which is yet unseen. God is able, and God can do anything. And that's how we're to live, is it not? This is why Paul echoes what he said to the church in Romans, verse 11, where he says that the righteous will live by faith. Why? Because the law was never based on faith. Were that true? Think about this. This is what Paul talks about. If that were true, then we would all be under a curse for breaking the law, which is why Jesus became that curse and hung on a tree, or some of your translations say a pole. Cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. So now the question, I think, becomes 
Okay, if our righteousness comes vis-a-vis the promise, which was pre-law, then what happens to the law? Oh, well, Paul answers that too. It's important to know that the purpose of the law enables us to better understand our freedom from the law. See, the law, as Paul explains, fulfilled its purpose as a guardian, or as some of your translations render it, a tutor. That's the term Paul uses. And that that guardian, that custodian, that tutor, was you were in their custody until the promised fulfillment came. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Once our death penalty for breaking God's law was carried out on Jesus instead, we're released from that protective custody under the law. However, and here's the thing, in order for the guardian to release us, there needs to be the key of faith which is the only thing that fits into that lock. The key of works won't work. I know that's a play on words. That's the only thing that works. It's our faith in what Jesus did for us and instead of us that frees us. That's what frees us and releases us out from underneath the custody of the law. Now, you have to understand what a tutor or a custodian or a guardian was in that day. They were actually given charge to direct and protect the child. This is in effect what the law does. It it brings us and protects us in its custody, but then it directs us to the Savior, who's the only one that can set us free. And by way of that analogy, when the child is grown, they don't do away with what they learn from the tutor. They just don't live under that tutor any longer. They're out from underneath it. So let me illustrate it quickly this way. And we've talked about this before. You're in town. You see a sign that says, Kaneohe, 13 miles. Okay, so that's pointing you to your final destination. So you make your way based on that sign, and you arrive in Kaneohe. Has that sign fulfilled its purpose? Yes, it it has. Is that sign still there? Yes, it is. That's what the law is. The law points me to the Savior, my final destination for salvation. And here's how it works more specifically. I open up the Ten Commandments, and it shows me like a mirror my true condition before a righteous God. And when I realize that I've broken God's law, and I'm deserving of the death penalty, because the wages of sin is death, well now all of a sudden I'm in the market for a Savior. That's maybe a crass way to say it, but that's the truth. See, I would not have been directed to, pointed to the Savior had I not first been instructed by the law showing me me. And oh, what an ugly picture it is when I see me in the mirror of God's Word. 
I'm an adulterer. I'm a thief. I'm a liar. I'm a, don't, again, don't look at me like that. So are you. <laughs> I, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One last thing, and I want to close this way because, and I heard it best illustrated this way, unless and until I've been tutored by the law and the bad news of my breaking the law, I'm not really going to be interested in the good news. And I think this is a a problem in our evangelism today. Ray Comfort, uh, I think, has done a, a fabulous and masterful job, no pun intended, in talking about how important it is to take people to that law first, because that's the bad news. I've heard it said this way, and this is not proper English, so don't email me. The badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. See, I told you, right? The badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. So here's the illustration. And It deals with an airplane, and I know Arabs shouldn't use airplanes as an illustration, but it's not my illustration, it's theirs. So, you know, they, we were talking about they, this is they, they use this illustration. So you're aboard an airplane, and the flight attendant comes out and says to you, hey, uh, sir, ma'am, we have this parachute, and if you put it on, you'll be safe. You're looking at them going, no. I'm not going to put this already crammed. I have no leg room. I'm not going to be like this in the airplane with a bulky. Plus, it's a six-hour flight just to get to the West Coast. God forbid I'm going to go anywhere else on the mainland, (laughs) like to New York. (laughs) That's an even longer flight. You want me to put on a, no thank you, thank you so much, but no no thanks. Well, (laughs) why are they not going to take that parachute? Uh, Because you didn't tell them the bad news. Oh, what's the bad news? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. See, uh, the plane's going down. Okay, that's pretty bad. That's, that's really bad. That's really bad news. You've not just ruined my flight that you wanted me to enjoy, but you've ruined my life. This is how it ends. Now, when you've adequately told me my destiny, my fate, that I'm going to perish as bad as that bad news is, do you not think that I'm going to be ready for that parent? How much does it cost? Oh, you can't, you can't pay for it. It's freely given. It was paid for by somebody else in full. 2,000 years ago, by the way, even before airplanes were invented. (laughs) You can take these things only so far, but you get the point. Right? Now that I've realized and accepted the bad news, then I'm going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, clothe myself in that parachute of His righteousness so that I can be saved. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Galatians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask God to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. He will point you to the passages that He knows you need to read. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. 
We've created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices, so you'll be able to take Pastor JD's teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to tell you more about the Mid East Prophecy Update tab on our website. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're all eagerly anticipating His return to Earth. We believe it's coming soon and that many events happening around the world right now are fulfilling the prophecies of the end times detailed in the Bible. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at these events and what God's Word has to say about them and shares that information with us in the Mideast Prophecy Update. The purpose of these updates aren't to scare us, but to remind us how important it is that everyone know the redeeming hope of Jesus. These updates are new every week, so visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access the latest installments. That's all we have for today, but be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of Galatians. Keeping me right with your way, holding me true to you.